This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jay Horowitz, with special edition of Amazing Conversations with uh, the great Boomer Sison, uh host of the number one rated WFAN, Boomer Geo Show. That's my Imus imitation, Boomer. And, <laughs> and a fixture on NFL today. I know you don't need another job. Can I give you a job for a couple minutes? Sure, Jay. You whatever you need. With a giant and a Jets, what would you do today? Uh, well, if I, were the, if I were the Giants, I would definitely rip it all apart and start over. This is what I've been advocating on WFAN for the last few weeks. As soon as Daniel Jones went down, I think the season was, uh, you know, a foregone con- conclusion. And now. Not that the players or the coaches think this way, but you know maybe the front office might, maybe the ownership will. You got to be thinking about the upcoming future years and the sustainability of your franchise. And because the Giants have not been very good over the last ten years, it's time to make a move. And I'm not talking about the head coaching move. I'm talking about a quarterback and to restock this roster that is uh, that is kind of um, weak on on players. And I think it's really up to Joe Shane, their general manager, to rebuild it about a young quarter around a young quarterback. And hopefully, from my perspective, uh, they get either the first or the second pick in the draft that the upcoming 2024 draft most people believe that there are two can't miss quarterbacks at the top of this draft one of course being Caleb Williams from USC and the other one being Drake May from North Carolina so if the Giants get one of those two players then they got to start their rebuild and they got to do it immediately but that would force them to lose the rest of their games I believe and only win two games out of 17 and these next two months would be a long month for a long two months for the for the giant fan, the giant coaching staff, and of course the giant front office and ownership. Boomer, I've been a season ticket over to Giants, nineteen fifty eight, way back. Did you did your heart go out to Tommy DeVito yesterday? I mean, local kid, you were from New York, played for the Jets. How much empathy did you feel for him yesterday? You know, when you put that in a singular thought, it's a great thought. It's a great dream come true for the local uh, young man. Uh, he seems like a really great kid. I don't think he ever thought that he was going to be starting for the Giants as this season began, but I'm sure it was a dream of his when he was growing up. You know, he did play quite a few games in college and was certainly uh, a good player in college, and there's no reason why he couldn't actually get onto a football field in the NFL and be somewhat successful. But, you know, he's just not ready to play. People don't realize what goes into the position of playing quarterback at this level and how quick the game is, how many things you have to learn. And quite frankly, if you are the practice squad quarterback when the regular season starts, you don't really get to work with the first team. You don't get to see a lot of the real defenses. You're doing a lot of scout team work, getting your own team prepared to play against their next opponent. So, you know, Tommy's accorded himself well. Nobody's expecting uh, anything but what he has done. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over and play foolish football, then you know he's thinking the right the right way and the right you know the in the right way that a quarterback should be thinking. So uh, I'm happy for him. It's a dream come true for him. And maybe there's a movie in here somewhere. Who knows? I bet the Jets. Well, they have a problem at quarterback too. You know, uh, Zach Wilson was a second overall pick three years ago, and just has not turned himself into a top-level quarterback 
who was drafted that high in the draft. And we see the same mistakes that we've seen for the last three years. You know, he's 30 games into his career. Uh, you usually get a really good handle as to whether or not a kid has grasped the enormity of what he's doing and able to process the field as quickly as you need to be. And, you know, if I compare him to C.J. Stroud, who was this year's second overall draft pick, who's playing yeah. for the Houston Texans, there's really no comparison. C.J. is light years ahead of him, and he's only seven games or eight games into his career. So uh, you just wonder if Zach has what it takes, especially in this market, to become that quarterback. I don't think he has that. I think he needs to go somewhere else in a smaller market with a different offense, a different uh, voice in his ear, and get out of this noise market of uh, the NFL. But you can't do that now. That would have to come at the end of the season and you know like I said we're a long way away from that and there's a lot of learning still yet to be done but I just don't see the future for Zach Wilson being a part of the Jets after 2023. But how does the CJ Stroud and the Joshua Dobbins stuff happen you know Joshua Dobbins two wins great win <laughs> CJ Stroud I mean it's just luck good scouting how does that stuff happen? Well, Josh has been around a while. He's played on at least five different teams in the last year. So everybody in the NFL knows who Joshua Dobbs is. You know, he was with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, and I guess they felt like their quarterback room was really crowded, so they got rid of him. And then he was traded to the Cardinals like two weeks before the regular season started this year in 2023. And everybody knows he's a smart kid. You know, they, they call him the pastronaut. Uh, because of his engineering background, and, and I guess that's what he majored in college, electro or space engineering or whatever it was. So he's an extremely bright kid. I don't think people are overly uh, overwhelmed I, by his arm strength, but he certainly has got the smarts to play the position. So uh, Minnesota did the right thing. They want, tried to save their season. They had to get somebody who could play just in case the rookie that they were starting in place of Kirk Cousins got hurt or couldn't handle it. Well, of course, the rookie gets hurt. So now Josh gets a second chance. So it's really one of the best stories in the NFL this year. And they're on a good team. And he's on a good team. And everybody seems to like him. So maybe they make it to the playoffs. As far as C.J. Stroud, you know, that's like hitting the lottery. I mean, to have a kid come in, second overall pick, and be the starter and get your team into the playoff hunt halfway through his rookie season, that's nothing, nothing short of amazing, uh, Jay. That would be like, you know, a rookie starting pitcher being in contention for, let's say, the Cy Young. Because he's in contention not only for Rookie of the Year, but the MVP right now as we speak. It's crazy, and yeah. Yeah, and how about if you have how about if your first round draft pick, you know, led the league in batting or led the league in home yeah. runs? I mean, that's kind of what this kid is doing for Houston. And I'll tell you what, it's great to see it. It's great to see young kids really step in and, and be able to handle it, which is really amazing from the eyes of not only myself, but many have played the position over the years. Isn't it crazy what happened with, with, with Rogers four plays and 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 Daniel Jones comes back? It's it's nuts, isn't it? What happens to these two local teams? Yeah, it's really sad. Um, and unfortunately, we've been through this with a lot of local teams around here. And when you do what I do for the last 17 years, you see a lot of ups and you see a lot of downs. And when the teams are down, whether it be our New York Mets or whether it be the Knicks, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, you name it, uh, I can feel it, you know, through the airwaves from the fans. I um, mean, you know, they want blood. They want to win. Uh, they're spending a lot of money supporting a lot of our local teams. And watching what happened with Aaron and Daniel is just, it's its sad. You know, you never want to see guys of, of that character, that integrity, go out there and not be able to do what they do best, and that's play football. But, you know, for Aaron, you know, he woke up from a darkness retreat. I'm not sure if you know this, Jay. 
And when he woke up from that darkness retreat last offseason, he said he wanted to play for the Jets. And unfortunately, now he's really finding out what darkness is all about because, I mean, I you can't make this story line up. And certainly, I, I hope for his sake that he does not try to push it and come back towards the end of the season. That would be – I don't think that would be a very smart move. Is that crazy? He's in like December he wants to play. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that's all nonsense. And I, I do believe that he should wait until next year, make sure that Achilles is totally healed and come back stronger and ever than ever. And hopefully the coaching staff hangs here and stays here because you never know about the owners. And you know this business, uh, Jay, you've worked in it for a long time. These owners get pushed for different reasons, whether it be friends in their own inner circle, whether it be the fan base, the business side of the of the, of the team and the organization is saying well, we can't sell tickets because of the present product that we're putting out there. So there are a lot of uh, variables that will determine whether or not these coaches and front offices will stay here, depending on how the owners feel about them. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you play with the Jets in the mid-90s, how much has the media landscape changed from when you were there to what it is now? It's it's night and day, right? It is night and day. Yeah, it's really night and day. I mean, it was the back pages back in my day. It was the talk shows. It was, you know, Mike and Chris, of course, on WFAN, Imus in the Morning. Uh, you know, ESPN was, you know, just really getting its footing going. They didn't have all these different opinion shows that they have now. Social media has basically ruined the landscape of, I think, of sports. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons for social media, but then there's all the bad that comes along with it and how these players get themselves in trouble. And if they are tied to their phone, which almost 95%, if not 99% of the young player is, they're seeing all their mentions. They're seeing how many people, like, if they play well, it's great to pick up your phone and because everybody wants to be liked. But if you play poorly and you play poorly for uh, a number of years, let's say like Zach Wilson has, I can't even imagine what he must be dealing with uh, from a mental standpoint. Of it's got to affect him, right? It has to affect yes. Him. Yeah, yeah, we're all human. I it, mean, it, it, you know, <laughs> you never liked when we made fun of you on WFAN. So we always heard back from you. Hey, stop <laughs> making fun of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of it, well, 
what was it was I going to say? Did, did um, uh, your winter teams are doing great, right? The Rangers are great. The, the Knicks are over five hundred. In your packing order, is it Rangers, Knicks, Mets, Mets, Rangers, Knicks? The same? How would you how how would your packing order be? Well, my pecking order is Rangers first, Mets second, Knicks third. And right. uh, the Rangers have always been my first love. Uh, my dad took me to Madison Square Garden when it opened in 1968. He actually worked on the building and his company, who he worked for, had some you know season tickets. So I think we made about five or six games from the ages of seven to about 15. He would come back out to Isla, pick me up. We'd take the train back in. We'd go to a Ranger game on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I mean, I just loved going to those games. I just loved the intensity and just the high velocity, even back then, of what I think is the greatest sport to see in person. So, and then if it wasn't that, then I was sitting on the stoop in my Mets uniform, waiting for him to come and get me and take me to Shea Stadium. And Who's your favorite do- Met boomer? Of uh, Tom Seaver. I don't know if yeah. you can see over my shoulder. There's a Tom yeah. Seaver statue that my previous partner, Craig Carton, gave to me for my 50th birthday. And it's one of the most beloved uh, uh, statues that I own. And it's a beautiful statue done by um, a very a dear friend of mine. So uh, I, you know, Tom has always been my favorite guy. And that, you know, when I took to the air, Jay, I don't know if you know this, but back in 2007, when Craig and I started, I started this campaign. I wanted a Tom Seaver statue out in front of City Field. I, I wanted that. I remember. And I remember. Uh, I, I'm like, I can't believe that we are not honoring one of our best players for whatever the reasons are. I, I don't know. I'm not yeah. you know, privy to all the internal conversations. And I got a chance to see uh, Tom Tom and Nancy Seaver, Seaver out at their winery uh, during Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. I made it. Uh, I made it a mission of mine to go see his winery up in Calistoga, go sit and talk with him. And he was just in the beginning forays of what he was dealing with from a mental aspect. But he knew who I was. And we sat and we talked baseball. We talked history. I asked him about being a New York Met when I was a kid. And it was really an amazing time for me to be able to sit there looking at one of the my idols and getting a chance to sit down and, and talk with him and have a great conversation. So he is my he all-time had a great favorite Met. Boomer. The first in '73 when he came back from the Reds, I was in I was in the training room in St. Petersburg in Florida, and he was in a whirlpool. I said, "I go, Mr. Seaver, can I talk to you for a minute?" He pulled me over the whirlpool, took the hose, put it down my pants, ruined my suit, my and my things. But that was that was my first meeting with Tom, the great Tom Seaver. What was your any favorite game, Boomer? You remember? Oh, my God. There were so many games. I can't remember that far back, Jay. All I remember is wearing the number 41 jersey to school. Uh, and a couple of times at Halloween, I would dress up as Tom Seaver when I was a kid. Um, you know, he, Rod Gilbert, and Walt Clyde Frazier were the three New York athletes that I idolized growing up. I had to have a pair of the Pumas, the red Pumas that were the Clydes. I had Rod's jersey. I had Tom's jersey. And, of course, I loved the great Burt Jones, who played for the Baltimore Colts, one of the reasons why I wore number seven along with uh, Rod Bear. So those were my four idols growing up. I had, a chance, I had a, a chance to meet all four of those guys. And, you know, when you meet your idol and they they show you the respect that, you would, that I was showing them when I was a kid, uh, it just made me realize that I picked four of the great guys of all time. And, uh, and I often think back about that, and I hope that I – would carry myself as a professional athlete the way that they did. And, uh, and hopefully I, you know, inspired some young man or young woman somewhere along the line 
to go after their dreams as well. But we don't really admire about you. I've been around a long time, 40 plus years. The way you've kept the charity for Gunner going for almost 30 years. I mean, yeah. it's really the money you've raised, the visibility you've gotten. I mean, you know, Gunner's married, has a, has a son, right? I mean. That's right. Yeah, it's, a, it's you, real. We're living a real miracle, Jay, to be honest with you. And people don't know really how I got started in all this. They all think it's because Gunner was diagnosed with CF. But in 1989, I, I was fortunate enough, the 88 season, the 89 off season, I received my uh, MVP award. Right. And it was at a dinner in Washington, D.C. And Frank DeFord was speaking at that dinner. And Frank had lost his daughter, Alex, to the disease of cystic fibrosis at the age of eight. I did not know that. I didn't even know what cystic fibrosis was until that night. And I was so floored by his story that I asked him after that dinner if I could get involved in any way, shape, or form to help put a name or face or raise money for CF. Now, this was 1989. Gunner was not born until 1991. So I was involved in CF two years prior to Gunner's birth. Gunner was not diagnosed with CF until 1993, my first year with the New York Jets. As a matter of fact, my first practice with the Jets in May of uh 1993, I got called out of that practice, had to go back to Cincinnati. And that's when I found out Gunner was diagnosed with CF. So four years later, from that 89 dinner, that fateful dinner that I met Frank DeFord and got involved with cystic fibrosis research, I found out that my own son was diagnosed wow. with cystic fibrosis. So that's but, how weird and- But the way you kept it going, I mean, and the visibility is all, every place, great events, hospitals and, and Gunner's name, and it's just- Amazing to keep it going that long. I know one of our guys, Johnny Franco, is involved with a lot of stuff that you do, right? Johnny's a good friend and a good sense of charity stuff, too. So I know he's done a lot of your stuff for you, too, right, through the years. 100%. Johnny's been involved in a lot of different things we've done at the radio station, not just for my foundation, but Johnny's always available. He's uh, he's never forgotten where he came from. And a quick story, I could have been Johnny's teammate at St. John's. A lot really? of people don't realize this that Howie Gershberger was a gym teacher at East Islip High School, where yeah. I went to high school. And Howie was uh, a roving uh, scout for the California Angels, I believe, at the time. And he is also a coach, pitching coach, I believe, for St. John's. Yes, and, yes, yes. Right. So in 1977 or 78, when I was at East Islip High School, he was pitching me. he was teaching me the rotation drill for pitchers. And I was a left-handed pitcher, so my senior year – I went undefeated, and uh, I had a great senior year as a baseball player. As a matter of fact, I think I was a better baseball player than I was a football player. But I had already accepted a scholarship to Maryland to play football. And Howie was trying to get me to go to St. John's, and it would have been me, Frank Viola, and Johnny Franco, I believe, it's pretty uh, good. on that staff. That would have been pretty good back in the day. That would have been a really good staff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let me, let me ask you about, you know, when you began, did you think you would be doing this this long? You know, when, when I miss, you know, I miss is a good friend of mine. He was great to me, put me on. He knew I didn't sleep, so he put me on like four o'clock in the morning when he came on. <laughs> I, but did you think you would be doing this this long in, you know, yeah, I don't know, uh, you know, Jay, to be honest with you. I was on with Imus, too. You know, I was a part of his original show right. during the football season with Phil Sims. We would call in on Mondays, and we'd banter back and forth with Imus and his crew, and he was really good to me. And uh, it was interesting when uh, he did finally get fired from WFAN. I believe it was April of 07, and I was on the line trying to call into his radiothon and his wife Deirdre was actually right. sitting in for him because he had just been suspended for, because of what he said about the Rutgers women's right. basketball Rutgers team. Coach, right. And so I called in and Eddie Scazzeri, our board op now was actually producing that show that day, that fateful day that he was fired. And as I'm calling in, Eddie says, we're not taking any calls. I'm as, as just announced he got fired and you know, we're not taking any calls right now. I said, okay, and I'll, I, wow, I'm shocked. I can't believe this is happening. And I'll hang up the phone. And literally 30 seconds after I hung up the phone, my phone rang. It was my agent, Steve Rosner, who was actually in the studio that day for that telethon because he was on the board of Joel Hollander's um, CJ yeah, Foundation for SIDS, which was also a part of that telethon. And Joel was in the radio business and was also running WFAN when I was with the Jets back in the early 90s. And they asked me, Literally 30 seconds after I got the news, would you be willing to do a morning show at WFN? I'm like, four, four hours every day, five yeah. days a week, getting up at like four o'clock in the morning, you're out of your minds. And then the more I thought about it, uh, I said, I, you know, I'd give it a shot and see what happens. But they would have to pair me with the right person, of course. And uh, it was Chris Olivero and Mark Chernoff over at WFN who put me and Craig Carton in a studio on July 4th or 5th of 2007, said, here's some topics, talk it out, guys. And we talked it out. And 30 minutes after we got done talking, they said, that's the show. That's what yes. we're going to open with in 2007 of September. Ten and years, I've been there right? ever since. But, but tell me about your, your bot play with Phil Sims. You know, I mean, go back and forth with him, do commercials. Yeah. And and it's a great bot play, you know, and, uh, you know, been friends a long time, right? Yeah, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Phil, and I would like to thank he for me. We like to do play around a little bit on TV and on radio when we're in public. We make fun of each other, but in a loving way. Uh, there's nothing mean-spirited or anything about it. Uh, we have a healthy respect uh, for each other and what we accomplished as football players and as men. Um, I see, I remember covering Phil Sims' Super Bowl out in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl where he won 22 of 25. I was to there. This day, yeah, to this day, it was one of the greatest Super Bowls I had ever seen. And I was covering it for a local CBS affiliate in Cincinnati while I was still playing for the Bengals. We hadn't gotten to that level yet. We were right behind them. They were there in 86. We got there in 88. So we were two years removed from each other in the Super Bowl. And I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget the way that, you know, he played that game and how he was zeroed in. So our friendship goes back a long, long time. Uh, the respect for each other has been around, you know, since the day that I met him. But, you know, we're, we were also competitors on the field. And he'll tell me he's got the Super Bowl rings. I'll tell him I got the MVP. And, and then it was he'll a tell me, award. 
Right, right. Then Walter paid the award. But and then I'll tell him, you know, by the way, every time you and I were on the field together, you know, my team won. <laughs> then he'll say, yeah, but I threw for 513 yards to get you guys in Cincinnati. So, yeah, there's always a, a one-offsmanship, if you will. But we don't have respect through the years. We stayed loyal to the Mets. You didn't – what was it, Fred, Craig? Uh, the Mets fans for Yankee fans, you never bought yeah. into that, right? Mets fans for Yankees? Yeah. I, yeah. I was, no, no. I was never <laughs> buying into that. You know, Craig was such a front runner. You know, all he wanted was tickets behind home plate from the Yankees. <laughs> That's what he wanted. And he yeah. dragged me there. You know, yeah. what was really funny, I got to tell you this, Jay. Here's another story that goes back to – supposedly it was my Met lineage. It has nothing to do with Craig, but it was 2008. It was opening day at Shea Stadium. And uh, the Wilpons were nice enough to invite both me and Craig to opening day to sit behind home plate with a lot of the other VIPs and people that are were either owners of the Mets or were there for different reasons. And I remember telling Craig, I said, you know, look, you're going to sit to my left and you're not going to talk to anybody. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't want you embarrassing me. I don't want you to do anything stupid. I don't want you to spill your beer on Mrs. Wilpon or this, that, and the other thing, you know? And we made a whole shtick out of it. I got to be honest with you. We made a whole shtick out of it. And then it became, you know, Boomer and Carton, where's Carton sitting and how he's going to, you know, basically be a pain in everybody's ass and all that other stuff. So, I mean, it, we had a we had a great time together for 10 years, Craig and I. And it, and it really, one of the most enjoyable things we ever did was go to Met games, and we had a we had a box in the original uh, or the first couple of years of City uh, uh, City uh, Field. We we shared a box, and that became a problem because there was always some issue. They needed extra tickets, or he wanted the tickets for that game. I wanted the tickets for this game, and it became a pain in the ass. But it was part of the shtick. It was a part of the show for ten years, and uh, I still have wonderful memories about all of that especially around the Mets and the success that they had in the World Series when Matt Harvey should have been taken out after eight innings, but yeah. he wasn't. And unfortunately, uh, we lost to the Royals. Yeah. Hey, Boomer, I listen every day. I appreciate your time and hope to see you at City Field next year sometime. Anytime, Jay. My pleasure. Great to see Thank you, Thank you for friend. your time. I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks You're a lot, welcome. Boomer.